Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. So let's jump into it this morning. Uh, We're going to go into Joshua 3, and we're going to read a whole chapter. So 17 verses, do a little good old-fashioned Bible study. And I'm going to read it to us. It's going to be up on the screen. And this is the moment where the people of God had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They got delivered out of their slavery, their bondage in Egypt. They've been wandering, looking for their promised land. And they've made it to the other side of the Jordan River is where all of their promise and blessing lies. Um, And they're about to cross over into this promised land. And so it's a very exciting moment. Verse 1 Joshua 3.1 says, early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves for, the, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the ark of the covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all of the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites ahead of you. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan and the priests who were carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now it was harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge. The water backed up. The water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests were carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by, and they waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. There's a lot in these 17 verses. I feel like I could preach 100 messages, and there's still more that God is saying here, but this is such a pivotal moment in the history of God's people. This is our history as as believers. This is our history, that they had been wandering in the wilderness, not only before they were wandering in the wilderness, which I think would have been hard enough for any of us, myself for sure, 
But they had been in bondage for 400 years as slaves in Egypt. This promise that God gave his people, he gave to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, generations ago. It had been 700 years that they had been promised this land, this territory. It represented freedom. It represented blessing. It represented represented prosperity, an inheritance, a permanent dwelling place for the people of God. And this is a big moment. Like, it's all about to happen. They're stepping in to everything that God had promised them. And you know, history is about to shift. Their future is about to look different than their past. And I felt prophetically as we were reading this that this is for us. Like many of us, are, we're like the children of Israel, and we've been believing for things. We've been wandering. We've been waiting. We've been contending. We can see the promise afar off, and we're about to cross over. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you're about to cross over. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm so sorry you're my second choice, but you are also going to cross over. But the instructions that were given to the people of God right before they crossed over into their promise were to follow the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which this is the presence of God in the Old Testament. So it represents the presence of God. And the word says, because you have never gone this way before. And when I read that, you know, you're reading the Bible and then something just like lunges out at you and you feel like, God, you are speaking directly to me. And I feel like I've never quite related to a verse more than this one. You have never gone this way before. It's actually the title of the message this morning. Because I don't know about you, but my journey in following God, following Jesus 18 years now, has been a lot of going away that I've never gone before. It's been a lot of doing things that I've never done before. It's been a lot of trusting. It's been a lot of going from darkness to light, from depression and anxiety to healing and to wholeness, from dysfunction into thriving. And and not just me, not just in my life, but like when I look back at my family and generations before me, it's been a lot of God taking me places that I have never gone before. And just to lay this out here as a framework before we jump in, following Jesus is a little bit of a wild ride. And I know you've probably heard that before, and many of you are laughing because you know exactly what I'm saying, that it's not, we're not called to this perfectly calculated, safe, manageable, predictable life where we can kind of see everything beforehand and know how it's all going to work out and, and handle everything on our own. It's not the life of faith. And so when you say yes to following Jesus, it's following him to places only he can take you. But I promise you where he takes you, it's always better. It's always bigger. It's always higher. It's always further. It's always deeper. And he's always doing a new thing. He seems to always be doing a new thing in our life. And it requires us going where we've never gone before. And so Marco preached a couple weeks ago, um, and he talked about generational curses. If you were here, was anybody here that Sunday? Um, he ta- Pastor Mike broke the ice on the curse conversation this morning, so we're just going to go there. Thank you, Pastor Mike. Um, but he talked about epigenetics and that scientifically there's proof that there is um, epigenetic markers that sit on the top of our genome, on the top of our DNA that determine if our genes express themselves or not, if they turn on or they turn off. So we all inherit, right, our genes and our DNA from our parents and our parents' parents and our parents' parents' parents. And 
some of that stuff is not exactly what you want to carry on. Some of it we didn't choose. Nobody asked us. Nobody, you know, gave us a say in whether we would like to inherit these things or not. But we find ourselves... Um, carrying things from generations prior, traumas, um, situations, mindsets, not just physical things, but the way that we think, the way that we act, the way that we've been raised, and it's built into our DNA, and there's actually scientific evidence that this exists in our DNA. And I think if you look back on um, maybe the course of your own family or just families in general, you can see common threads, right? I know for my own family, you can see this was not just in me, but in my mom and in my grandma and my grandma, great-grandmother and my great-great-great-grandmother. And there's, there's patterns and there's cycles and going around the same mountain. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, and the, we'll just jump into it. Point number one is we need to become a generational pioneer. So when I look at my life, my life was not meant to look like this. Like when I look back at my history, my dad's not in this service, so I can talk about both sides of the family. But when I look at both sides of the family, and if I were to repeat the patterns of everybody before me, my life would look vastly different than what God has done. Um, just so on both sides of the family, I've come from extreme mental illness, addiction, alcohol and drug abuse, sexual abuse, childhood neglect, divorce, poverty, homelessness. So my mom was homeless at age 17. Actually, um, they had gotten, they lived in extreme poverty. They'd gotten an eviction notice that my grandpa hid from the rest of the family, and they had 30 days to get out of their home. Well, he chose not to tell anyone, and on day 29, he packed up and he moved across the country and left the family. So my mom became homeless at 17. From that point on, her brother has been homeless now in his 70s. So all of these years, he's still homeless. His son, who is my cousin, um, my generation, they're still living on the streets of Chula Vista by choice. So I'll drive through Chula Vista and I'll sometimes see them across the road. And, and I think like, this is, this is my family. This is my history. This is where I've come from. And everybody on all, you know, all the extensions, all the little like roots, if you look at the family tree, it's present everywhere. Um, let's go after my husband's family. We'll just go there because why not? Um, dramatic effect. Um, Addiction, affairs, divorce, poverty, mental illness. And you're probably already starting to think of your own family, and I think it's good to do that on a morning like this to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal some things, show us some things. I think it helps us. Um, but you see cycles, you see patterns, you see threads. Um, you know, in my mom's family, but her, it would have been so the cousins kind of thread. Um, my great aunt, her daughter, her daughter, her daughter. It was premature death, premature death, premature death, premature death from like the most freak accidents, the most rare diseases. When you see something like that running in a family, that's not just a genetic thing. That's not, that's, that's evidence that there is a genetic, a generational curse on a family line. And so I want you to begin to maybe think about where you've come from, where you're going, and in light of the Israelites standing on the edge of the Jordan River that you're about to cross over. 
You're about to cross over. And God will call every generation, if we're willing, to take a step further, to take a step further, to take a step further. But I believe that this morning we are going to cross over because God has called us to be curse breakers. We don't just have to take it. We don't just have to assume what's given to us. We don't just have to come under it and say, well, this is just what it's going to be. This is the best my life is ever going to look. This is the way it's always been. How could it be different for me? That's one of the main lies I do believe that the devil uses is in reality, you look at what always has been, it's really hard to believe that your life could look any different. But I want to give you good news this morning. Jesus Christ went to the cross. Not only did he take the curse, but he became a curse that we could live blessed, that we could live free, that our history doesn't have to determine our destiny and our future. I'm, I'm a first-generation Christian in my family, and so is Marco. And so our whole life has been going places we've never gone before, unraveling things in our family line, and coming to a service like, like this and hearing the Word of God and saying, oh my goodness, what we thought was normal our whole life is actually not normal. You know, hanging around healthy families and healthy couples and healthy marriages, and suddenly you're like, oh, like, We've been doing it all wrong. And this is healthy. This is why I don't believe you can just be a Christian and just sit at home and just do your own thing your own way. You have to be around a community of believers that expose you to what's possible, that expose you to a life you didn't know was possible. And I want you to know, if God could do it for me, he could certainly do it for you. So be encouraged this morning. But one of um, the main threads on my side of the family through my mother's family line has been this extreme um, irrational fear. It's been mental health issues, mental illness, irrational fear, anxiety, depression, panic. And so I live most of my life uh, somewhat shielded from this, but I went through a very intense battle with my mental health that I'm going to talk about in a minute. But um, I think one of the, the best examples that helps illustrate this is I've always had this irrational fear of flying. So in my brain, I know that everybody flies on airplanes every day, millions of people. This is, the, this is my self-talk on the plane. Millions of people fly on airplanes every day. You're going to be just fine. As the plane's taking off, I'm like, planes are made for the sky. I'm perfectly safe. This pilot's flown a million times. These are the things that I'm telling myself because I know that that's true. However, the slightest gust of wind, the slightest little bump that is also normal by everything that I've read and everything anyone's ever told me, this is normal, this is normal, this is normal. And everyone is reading their book and watching their little show and eating snacks. And I'm like, they have no idea that like, this is it. Like we're going down. And I'm like, how, how are all these people unfazed? And yet inside I am like, you know, white knuckling the seat. Um, and then I traveled with my mom and I realized, oh, I thought I was bad. I thought I had an irrational fear of flying. I'm like, Oh, dear God, now I know where this has come from. And, and then I realized, my, wait a minute, my grandma only ever flew on a plane, I think, a few times. And she always talked about it like it was a really dangerous thing. And so then this is now passed down to my mom and now passed down to me. And, you know, it wasn't like, like my mom sat me down and, and told me how dangerous this was. It's things we hear growing up. It's, it's um, sort of a bend in, in the way that we talk. Because when you're going through something like this, you don't know that you're fearful. You don't know that you're living under fear. You think it's normal until you get around other people. And I heard somebody say recently, oh, this plane's not going down. I'm on it. And I'm like, wow, wow, you are my polar opposite. And I want whatever you've got. But 
Then I realized that my grandma, so her dad was actually a pilot. And when growing up, they lived out on a farm in Nebraska, and it was her responsibility every night to go out on the runway, turn the runway lights on so that her dad would know where to land. Well, one night she overslept um, by a couple hours, and she ran out to the runway, she turned the runway lights on, she fell asleep on the runway, and her dad never came home. And he actually um, crashed the plane um, a few miles from their house that had nothing to do with her. But that trauma of a 14-year-old girl, she was a daddy's girl, like, Imagine what that did to her. Imagine what that did to her brain. Imagine what that did to her DNA, because we know from epigenetics that you can actually determine what gets expressed by the experiences that you have, by the choices you make. And so then she passes, it made so much sense. She passed it down, this irrational fear that was rooted in her trauma, not my trauma. I never actually went through anything on a plane, like, you know, a few bumps, but Vanessa was with me recently. We were, that was... I did think we were going down, but we, live, we, we were on a small plane and we were flying over mountains and we started singing worship songs out loud on the plane like a bunch of weirdos because everybody else was just fine. But um, I never had a traumatic experience really, but I was dealing with trauma that had been passed down to me and it wasn't my fault. And so I used to look around and think like, why do I have hangups and why do I have issues and these other people don't and they seem fine and... Firstly, everybody does, and we just don't talk about them, so rest assured. You might be fighting a battle. It's different than their battle. But also, they don't carry the same, they haven't inherited the same issues, the same traumas, the same things that, if you come under them, do become a curse for you and for the next generation. So that's a simple example. Actually, my battle with mental health and anxiety, depression, panic attacks, it got very severe about seven years ago. I did grow through some like little traumatic things that were traumatic for me, but my response to these events was completely disproportional to what I was actually going through. And I was, it was very crippling. I went through like psychiatric treatment for PTSD. Um, But in that time, God revealed to me, you're not only fighting your own trauma, you are fighting generational trauma. So that list that I'd read to you in the beginning Nobody in my family had ever dealt with those things. Nobody in my family had ever come to the Lord and and been able to unravel the things of the past, had been able to set our family free from the curses that the enemy had bound them up in for so long. And so my battle wasn't just for me and the things I'd gone through, but it was because of everything that I'd inherited. And it wasn't just gonna stop with my life. It was gonna go on to my children and my children's children if I didn't fight this battle. I want, to, I want you to listen to a prophecy that I received from um, Pastor Michael Maiden. He's come through a bunch. Um, we're going to hear him at Awaken Conference in February. But um, this was before we came to the church, and I was deep in the throes of, like, disabling, crippling depression, anxiety, and panic. Um, go ahead and roll the, the word. The, the other thing is this. And so on your side of the family, I um, upstream, okay, upstream and from siblings up to, and you know, the older ones, I break the curse of mental illness. <laughs> and I command it to leave your family. Yeah. It can never come to you. Yeah. The Lord wants you to know he's preserved you, protected you. Yeah. And God's gonna deliver. The Lord's gonna start giving you insight into unraveling the hearts and minds of people in your family that have been devastated by mental afflictions. Mm. Because it is a curse. It's not just a, so 
you know, I, I know about this stuff. It's not just a medical or chemical issue. Yeah. It's a spiritual assault. And you've broken through it, okay? From, so you would never tell anybody that there was, a, there was a, like a suicidal chapter in your life that was when you were so broken as a young person. And, um, but that's just because you feel things so deeply and the devil was after you. You're breaking that spirit off of everybody. You've, you, you've broken off of you. Now watch what God does through you. Come on. In that moment, I realized that my mom had broken through in her own right, for her own generation, at her own level, for her own time, but she had gotten me that far. And a few chapters before the children of Israel cross over the Jordan into their promised land, Joshua was actually the new leader. The one who had led them to the edge of the Jordan was Moses. And I want you to read right before Moses passes away, what the Lord shows him. Deuteronomy 34, one through five says, then Moses went up to Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab and climbed Pisgah Peak, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead as far as Dan, all the land of Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh and the land of Judah extending to the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev, the Jordan Valley with Jericho, the city of Palms as far as Zor. Then the Lord said to Moses, this is the land that I promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have now allowed you to see it with your own eyes, but you will not enter the land. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, just as the Lord said. Next chapter, Joshua 1. 1, 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan into the land that I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. That's the word of the Lord to us this morning. You are the one, you are the generation that's gonna lead these people. Your parents have gotten you this far. Those that came before you have broken through to this level, but you are the one. It's not gonna be, don't wait for the generation after you. Don't wait for your children to be the one to lead your family across the Jordan, but you are the one that's gonna lead these people. You're the one who's gonna take your family where you've never gone before. I want you to hear this this morning. Your history and your family's history will not be your destiny. You've heard it said that this thing ran in my family until it ran into me. Well, as soon as I heard that, I decided I'm gonna be the curse breaker. I'm gonna be the generation that goes further. I'm gonna be the generation that doesn't come to the edge and sees the miracle and sees the blessing across the river, but I am gonna be the one who crosses over. And not just so my life can be better, but so that my children and my children's children will never have to fight the battles that I fought, that my parents fought, that the generational trauma and the curse would break with me. The Lord says, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow I will do wonders among you. God is about to do something new. But how do we cross over? 
is where we're gonna camp for the rest of the message. How do we cross over? Point number two is we have to get in the water. So it was harvest season, the Jordan was overflowing its banks, and the promised land was on the other side. So this wasn't low season, low tide, there's just a little skinny river and you can just kind of wade through the river. This was harvest season, so there'd been heavy rains. The river was swollen, it was raging. I've watched videos, I haven't been to the Jordan, like Pastor Mike and Katie have been to the Jordan, and many people in this church have gotten baptized, good for you, in the Jordan. But I have watched the videos, so someday I'll go and see. But this was like an insurmountable, uncrossable moment um, in the season that they were in. And let's see. It was harvest, the Jordan was overflowing its banks, and the promise was on the other side. So for me, when I got that prophecy that you're gonna break the curse of mental illness in your family, you're gonna break the curse, you heard it, that it came for you, but you've defeated it, you've conquered it, you're never gonna have to live with that. I was so, that was good news. That was like the promise from heaven that I was so desperate to hear. However, in that moment, Nothing had changed in my life. I was actually at probably my breaking point, my lowest of the low, and everything that I was feeling, everything I was experiencing had not yet shifted. There was a giant Jordan River standing in between where I was at and where I knew God wanted me to be, where I was currently living and the place that God wanted me to be established and to live and to dwell and experience his peace and his prosperity. There was a giant river standing in the middle. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever come to church and you or reading your Bible and you get this glimpse of the life that God wants for you? You come to the altar, somebody prays for you, and you walk out of here head up, shoulders back, and you get hope again, and you feel like things are gonna change and things are gonna get better, and I can see that life doesn't have to be what it's always been, and you're filled with this surge of faith and belief for something good and for something to change, but your reality looks nothing like that. I want you to know you are in good company this morning because every person that has crossed over has had to stand in the midst of a raging, overflowing Jordan River. And God told Joshua, give this, God told Joshua, God told Joshua to lead the people across the Jordan. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So pretty much God's saying, you're gonna have to get in the water. I'm not gonna stop this this raging river. I'm not gonna stop this for you. I'm not gonna do this for you. You're gonna have to jump in. You're gonna have to get your feet wet. And so I want you to write this down. To go where you've never gone before, you're gonna need to do what you've never done before. I'm gonna say it again, to go where you've never gone before, you're gonna need to do what you've never done before. You're gonna have to go all in. And some of us, I'm very proud of us because maybe doing what you've never done before is just showing up to church. Maybe in a few minutes when we come to the altar, you've never come to the altar before, you're gonna have to do what you've never done before. For me, the thing was fear. The thread in my family was fear and it was anxiety. It was a spirit of fear and a curse, a generational curse of fear. But I guarantee, maybe that's your story, but there's other things in here too. Maybe it's the curse of poverty, the thread of poverty, the thread of never being able to own a home or never being able to keep a job or never being able to make ends meet, never being able to overcome something, never being able to stay in your marriage when everybody before you has divorced. Whatever that thing is, God is asking you to do something that you've never done before. And I wanna ask you, how desperate are you to get to the other side? Because when you are desperate, you will jump in the water, you will do whatever it takes, you will swim across any river, you will climb any mountain to get to the promises of God. And I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're here at a church like Awaken because you're believing for big things. 
You know that your reality is not going to be your reality forever, but soon you're going to be living in the promised land. And so for me, the thing was fear. And I made a decision in order to overcome this and rewire my brain and not submit and come under a spirit of fear, I'm gonna have to do things that are highly uncomfortable. I'm gonna have to live out of my depth. I'm gonna, anytime I feel, I made this promise to myself, anytime I feel afraid to do something, now I have to do it. Because I was determined to tell fear, you are not my master, I am your master. I am gonna master you. And so this has been a very unfortunate promise that I made to myself because a lot of times it, it means I have to do things that I don't wanna do and that I don't feel like doing that are not um, comfortable for me. And so recently I'd felt so good about myself. I had been doing so great on all the flights because it's never stopped me from traveling because traveling's like my favorite thing in the world. So I'm like, oh no, devil, you're not gonna keep me from going where I wanna go. And then I just struggle all the way until I get there and I land and then I can have a good time. But I felt really good, like I'm conquering this. You know, it doesn't have a hold on me anymore. I've totally overcome this thing. And then we travel with some friends that are like, hey, great news. We are going to, um, we got the opportunity to fly home on a private plane. I'm like, oh, that's so awesome. And they're like, yeah, it's six-seater, you know, it, we get to get there right when it takes off. You don't have to, like, go through security. Like, it's amazing. And so I'm, like, instantly sweating, instantly heart racing, like, palms are sweaty, Knees weak, arms are heavy. Just kidding. Um, and on the surface, I looked calm and ready. But um, I was deeply struggling, you guys. And, but I don't like to be needy. I don't like to be like I'm super high maintenance or like a baby. So I just pretend I'm fine. And so we're walking out to the runway. And it is the last thing on the planet that I want to do. I'm like literally like about to sacrifice my life and goodbye to my children and this is how we're going to go down. And everyone else is having the best time ever and I'm not. And so we get on the plane, we take off and I'm just smiling and chatting and just sweating so much and, um, and I did it and I made myself do it because I've gotten used to being uncomfortable. I've gotten comfortable being uncomfortable and I want you to know to go where you've never gone before, you're going to have to do what you've never done before. You're going to have to say yes to some things. You're going to have to put yourself out there. You're going to have to step into territory that's unfamiliar and it's unknown and it's uncomfortable and you might even be a little bit afraid, but you're going to have to do it anyway because this is how we overcome. This is how we cross over. God said, I'm not going to stop the waters for you to cross over. You're going to have to get in and then watch what I'll do. And I want you to know that flight was the best flight I ever took in my life. I came home and my other friend who was scared of flying says, I'm so glad you're alive. I'm like, this is why we're friends. And I also said, it was the best flight I've ever taken. We had the most amazing conversation. It was a God moment. And I felt like I crossed over. I overcame. Fear. You are not my master, but I am your master. This is what I tell myself like a weirdo. If you see me mumbling that on a flight, I'm very sorry. Um, but you're going to have to get comfortable living outside of your comfort zone. And so I like to call this the miracle zone. It's a beautiful place to live, actually, because you can't control it. You have no control. You don't know how it's all going to work out. But it puts all of the pressure back on God. God, I'm going to step into the water. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I'm going to obey. I'm going to take a step of faith. And then I'm going to wait for you to do what's impossible. I'm going to do what I can do so that God can do what only he can do. You're gonna have to step in when you don't feel like it. And for some of you, I feel like today, you're gonna go home and you're gonna call a lender. 
You're going to go check on your credit score. You're going to go do some things that are uncomfortable and scary because you've never been able to unravel this cycle of lack and poverty. But you know God's called you to own a home. You know God's called you to be blessed and to provide for your family and, and to have you know the dreams that are in your heart and the visions that he's given you. That's the life he's called you to. That is your promised land. And it's on the other side of you doing Honestly, just a couple of things that are uncomfortable. For those priests, he said, just take a few steps in and then stop there. He didn't say, go submerge yourself underwater. He said, just take a few steps in. And it's amazing when we begin to hear the voice of God, when we begin to do things differently than we've done them. Maybe it's going to counseling for your marriage when every other generation before you has walked away because it was easier, because it would be uncomfortable to get vulnerable. It would be uncomfortable to fight battles with one another. It'd be uncomfortable to stand and to believe when things are hard. But I believe some of us, like courage is coming upon you, even this moment in this message. A spirit of courage is rising up on the inside of you and a spirit of desperation. Sometimes desperation is okay. God will allow us to get to the bottom of the bottom of the bottom and you thought you were at the bottom and then there was another level because God is allowing you to get to a place where you are desperate for him to move and he's gonna ask you just to take a few steps. Go to a connect group, come to the altar, go talk to somebody about what you're going through, make a change, make a shift. Maybe you've never known how to connect with your kids and, and your parents never con were connected to you and you've never had conversations about certain things. Sit down with your kids and look them in the eyes and do something you're afraid to do and watch what God will do. You're gonna cross over. You're gonna cross over for you and you're gonna cross over for them. Amen? Amen. Amen. Point number three, stand in the middle of the miracle. This flows into our fourth point. I'm gonna just give it to us now, it's follow the presence of God. So the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. He said, follow the priests who are carrying the presence of God into the water because this is a way that you've never gone before. Verse 15 says, but as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the presence of God touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the presence of God stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. And they waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. When they stepped into the water, the river began drying up. It said a great distance away. It's 20 miles from where they crossed. The river began drying up. And I wanna give you this because it's fresh, real, powerful at Awaken Church. You're gonna take some steps of faith. You're gonna do some things you've never done before and things may not change right away. Things may not change overnight and you're gonna learn how to stand your ground. You're gonna learn how to stand in the middle of the miracle from the place where you were to the place where God is taking you while God is in process, while God is processing you. And I fully believe when I got that prophecy in 2016 that I was gonna break the curse in my family, I told you nothing changed. I felt the same. I didn't know the journey. I would have loved for it in that moment to just you know, be lifted off of me. But I fully believe if that would have happened, it would have been just for me. It would have been just so God could say, you know, give me this little moment to, to release the pain that was on me. But it wouldn't have broken the curse. It wouldn't have brought me through a process where I could be preaching on this stage, where I could be testifying to the goodness of God, where I could tell you that nothing is impossible for him, that if he did it for me, that he could do it for you. I wouldn't be able to break through on behalf of my children. It would have been a moment between 
between me and God, which would have been beautiful. And he gives us that sometimes. But when you're standing in the middle of how things used to be and you're not yet to where you're supposed to be, you're gonna need to learn to stand your ground, to stand your ground. When I got that prophecy, God began to hold back the waters. It was 2016 when God began to hold back the waters. I believe that it was drying up. The curse was drying up some 20 miles, some great distance off, but it wasn't until 2018 that I would cross over. It wasn't until 2018 that I would step into health, that I would step into wholeness, that I would step back into ministry, that I would step back into loving Jesus and being able to be a good mom to my kids and a good wife to my husband. It was a great distance off and it was a two year period that I had to learn how to find the presence of Jesus. And it's not comforting in the moment because you think, God, why would you allow me to go through a low place? But he allows us sometimes and it's not meant to break us, but it's meant to train us. It's meant to shape us. It's meant to grow us, to strengthen us, to teach us how to be desperate for his presence and to teach us that there's some things, some battles that only God can fight for you. There are some things that all you have to do is take a step and God is gonna do the miracle, but I had to learn how to find his presence. It, it was no longer good enough to just hear a message on a Sunday and let that be my faith. I had to go into my closet. I remember closing my door, putting on worship, getting my journal out, crying my eyes out, saying, God, I don't feel any better, but God, I know you're good. And writing scriptures down and memorizing scriptures and, and finding where I could hear his voice, dragging myself to church, making myself do things that I didn't wanna do, making myself tell my friends that I'm suffering. I remember like first coming to this church and texting Pastor Katie and saying like, pray for me, I'm having a panic attack. It was embarrassing. Like I had been a pastor for all these years and here I am the new girl at church and I don't wanna tell everybody what I'm going through. It's hard to do something that you've never done before. But had I not done that, I never would have been able to experience true healing true love from people in the church that are like, you don't have to be perfect. Each and every one of us are fighting a battle at any given moment and we're here to fight it with one another. And the priests, they stood in the middle of the dry ground so that all of the children of Israel could cross over. Not so they could make it across and then the water swallowed everybody up behind them, but we're gonna make it across together, church. And I want you to stand to your feet. And I'm prophesying that we are gonna enter into the promised land, the land of freedom. It doesn't matter what your situation is. It doesn't matter the baggage that you feel like you're carrying this morning. God wants to break it off of us. God wants us to cross over to the other side. And I wanna open up the altars and have our worship team come back up. We have a few more minutes. And the altar today, it's for all of us, but it's specifically for those who feel like you're at the point you need to get in the water. You're tired of going around the same mountain. You're tired of not getting breakthrough or freedom or things not shifting. And you've been waiting on God to do it, but you know God is telling you he's been waiting on you to step in. He's been waiting on you to step in the water. I want you to come to the front. This is gonna be like a prophetic act, a prophetic moment. I'm stepping into that water, even though it feels raging and it feels overwhelming and it feels like it's gonna take me out. I'm gonna step into the water. And it's also for those this morning who you need to stand your ground in the middle of the miracle. You've come so far. Don't give up now, don't give up now. This is where you're gonna stand in faith. This is where you're gonna fight with the word of God. This is where you're gonna stand in the house of God, the place of miracles, the place where anything is possible. Come on, this isn't just a concrete floor in the middle of a quinceanera venue, but this is the house of God. 
The Holy Spirit is here and he's about to move. And the altar is also for anyone where you're here this morning and you need to find God. You need to hear the voice of God. You need to be close to the presence of God. They said, follow the priests who are carrying the ark of God, who are carrying his presence because they'll show you where to go because you've never gone this way before. I want you to come to the altar. We're gonna go back into this song and then we're gonna pray, but this is your moment where everything changes. This is the moment where your destiny begins to get unlocked, where your history begins to break off and melt off and we get, get uprooted. Come on, it doesn't matter what it is, but God is about to move. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.